This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the first of our weekly podcast with Seth Rorba, our Pittsburgh Tribune Review beat writer who covers the Pittsburgh Penguins here on Breakfast with Ben's. Seth is going to join us once a week. Brian Metzer also joins us weekly, so we talk lots of Penguins here in the podcast throughout the course of the week. Plenty of other hockey podcasts spliced in here and there throughout the season as well but Seth will be a staple for us once more as we look forward to the start of the 2023-24 season Penguins underway with game one in the books for them a loss to the Chicago Blackhawks on Tuesday against Connor Bedard and company Seth we'll start with the Penguins big picture in just a second but um what'd you think of Bedard since he's the wunderkind the Flavor of the month in the NHL. What'd you think of his game against the Pens? And what'd you think of his performance against the Bruins, too, in his second contest? Uh, he looked okay. I mean, he looked, you know, like it was a good fit uh, in terms of, you know, the adjusting to, you know, the, the highest level. Um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, he, you know, he's got to score four goals here to be worthy of these comparisons and whatnot. But, um, you know, for his first real game of consequence, I mean, he looked very comfortable at this level. And, you know, I, I, I watched the next night, uh, they played Boston Bruins in Boston, a tough defensive team. And he scored his first goal there. So, uh, and he took a couple rough hits there too. So, um, I mean, he looks like an NHL player. I don't think that's any surprising, uh, anything surprising. Um, uh, I mean, you saw some things with, you know, the way he, sh- way he shoots, just the way he stick handles and just, um, his hockey IQ, I guess, uh, was also another thing that kind of stood out a little bit to me. So, um, again, I, I don't know that, uh, he's going to be, you know, you know, threatening any kind of rookie scoring records or anything like that. But um, uh, he looks like he's more than comfortable uh, being who he's expected to be. I think a lot of people are trying to find the perfect comp for him in hockey. I drew a football comp. I think he's like Patrick Mahomes. He's got really good feet, and he's got an unbelievable release point from just about anywhere. His ability to get his shot off like Mahomes throwing a football from any angle is pretty impressive. Yeah, um, like I said, that shot's kind of his calling card there, and um, uh, I think the thing that really maybe stood out to me was just uh, just the way he kind of navigates traffic through some bigger bodies, and it's, it's not like it's um, you know the, the the late '90s where you had some of those aircraft carrier sized defensemen back in the day, you know, guys like uh, Dan McGillis and uh, you know, Mike Rathje, those those type of defensemen, but um, he's a smaller guy by today's standards, and he, he seemed like he maneuvered uh, through all that uh, pretty well. Uh, really was, you know, more than suited for the speed of the game. Um, this maybe isn't, you know, the most, you know, b- complimentary comparison, but 
Um, he almost kind of reminds me of Daniel Briere. And Daniel Briere was—he's not like the all-time greatest player in NHL history. Far from it. He was a good, solid, all-star level caliber player. But um, at his size and height, you know, he figured out how to you know move around the NHL and uh, you know you know get around some of those bigger bodies. Uh, Pat Lafontaine was kind of like that too. So. Um, I think he'll be much better eventually than than both those players. But just the way he moved uh, on the ice against some bigger bodies, uh, th- that's where I kind of uh, gravitated to as far as comparisons. Seth Roba with us. Seth, what did you like from game one in the loss against the Blackhawks? What didn't you like? Uh, I like the fact that they, you know, were, were aggressive and they got shots off and, you know, they had scoring chances and everything like that. Uh, I don't think that was anything anyone of any of us were ever going to doubt as far as uh, uh, how dangerous they would be on the attack. Uh, um, it was maybe a bit concerning just the fact they didn't finish. Uh, you know, I mean, it was almost kind of like a carbon copy of the uh, uh, that vital loss to Chicago in April uh, that you know basically ended their playoff hopes. Um, ton of shots in that game too, but they just couldn't finish. And you know, I don't know if it was a matter of uh, you know Peter Morazic just you know having good two good games against the Pittsburgh Penguins, or if you know they were maybe shooting a little bit too much into his into his chest or what. But um, I, I, you know, again, great great uh, effort or great ex- great execution, just not great finishing uh, in terms of, you know, putting some of those pucks in the net. Uh, I mean, obviously, too, there's the fact that, you know, they allowed four un- unanswered goals in the final 25 minutes, including an empty netter uh, that kind of brought back some comparisons to last year as well. So, um, again, I, you know, you, you would have hoped, you know, they would met the moment and just, you know, it was a very buoyant evening, uh, you know, season opener, home opener with a lot of new players, uh, a new superstar in Eric Carlson, all that, but um, you know, some familiar problems there as well. But um, just in terms of their attack, I was really, uh, really, you know, pleased by that. And uh, their lack of finish, though, uh, was uh, a bit curious, I guess you could say. I'm with you, Seth. In a vacuum, not a bad hockey game. In a vacuum, just looking at how the teams played, not a bad performance. But to your points, um, the blown two-goal lead, the fact that they had many, many opportunities and this allegedly offensively gifted team couldn't finish enough again, which I think was a real problem in March and April, particularly with the star players that crept up. Um, Also, they only got two power play chances and I'm almost glad because (laughs) I I still think there's a lot to be worked out there. Yeah. I I talked to Ricard Raquel about this maybe two weeks ago and he's, he was looking around the room and he was just almost shaking his head that Eric Carlson's part of the Pittsburgh Penguins and as well as some of the newer guys they brought in like Riley Smith and and so on and so forth. And and he just was like, wow, we have so many people here. And he's like, you know what though? It's going to maybe take a little bit of time and, you know, uh, but when it clicks, it's going to be really dangerous. And um, I, you know, I guess the first part of his uh, statement there proved true just given the fact that they only produced two goals with no power play goals i guess in game one but um you have to imagine at some point you know when all these new moving parts uh you know start to get fully more on the same page together and you know let's not forget you know i think at 10 of the 22 players are starting the season with here on their on their roster here uh season opening roster it's new players so uh, there's a lot of new bodies you know the system and the scheme and all that is roughly the same but um, you have a lot of new bodies here, and I know they had a full preseason, and they always have a very intense training camp here under Mike Sullivan. But um, I, I think you need some like legit games, you know, games of consequence to really kind of get everyone on the same system. So, and that's not to say you know other teams you know aren't doing the same thing with new players and everything. Like that. the Chicago Blackhawks are, you know, that's a team in rebuild. There's a lot of just new people. Period on that on that team. So, uh, and that yeah, they found a way to score four goals. So, 
Uh, but for the Penguins, I mean, I you know, it may take a little bit of time here for a lot of these new bodies to kind of get on the same page. But uh, like Ricard Raquel said, if they get on the same page and things start clicking, they can be a pretty dangerous squad. How do you think Jari played? Okay, um, good enough to win, but uh, I think you would have liked to see him still goal here or there. I mean, a couple of those, I want to say maybe the um, the goal by, uh, I think the th- it was the third goal, the go-ahead goal. I mean, you know, yeah, it was a wide-open shot there. It was a great shot. Give that guy, you know, a lot of credit there. But um, it, it just struck me as maybe something a, a goalie of his, uh, at least of his paycheck caliber, I guess, uh, could have stopped there. Um, you know, that's a, that's, that's, that's a type of save uh, that, you know, you could fairly expect of a goalie that you've committed five years to and more than five million. So, um, he was okay. I, I didn't see anything just disgustingly awful in how he played, but, um, I, I think it's fair also maybe expect a little bit more there. Um, uh, and again, given his new contract, his new status, and just the investment that the organization has put into him, um, I think it's fair to have the highest of expectations of him. Seth Verbo with us. Seth, of course, in the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, covers the Penguins for us. He'll be joining us weekly here on Breakfast Ben's to talk hockey as we go through the course of the season. Were you around when I asked Latang about how he felt in the first game with Ryan Graves? Were you still there in that part of the scrum? I did not know. He gave an answer. like He said he thought it was pretty good defensively, but there are still some things that they have to work out. And I got the impression he was talking about in the offensive end because he was quick to couch that he thought things were okay defensively. Did anything jump off the page at you and watching them together? Not especially. I mean, I almost kind of thought they adopted more of a defensive role. I mean, especially the tang. I mean, he was up against Connor Bedard quite a bit and played him pretty tough and you know, got a little physical there with him. So I'm almost curious if, um, and just based on ice time, that was the second pairing, uh, you know, whereas, you know, Eric Carlson and Marcus Patterson were the top pairing. Again, just based on that pairing, have more minutes than the Latang Graves pairing. So, and I think we'll see that maybe go back and forth as the season goes along and, you know, you're dealing with injuries or other matters. But um, I, I, in that game, I kind of saw Chris Letang almost as, you know, being a, kind of like a shutdown defenseman in the, uh, in the mold of, say, like a Mark Edward Vlasic from the San Jose Sharks, where um, a lot of his responsibility in that game was to go up against Bedard and, you know, maybe kind of limit him and things there. And I think we'll see a lot of that, you know, as we have maybe throughout, you know, over the past 15 or so years here, um, he'll probably get a lot of assignments when they can as a visiting team against Alex Ovechkin. So um, I almost wonder if that's going to be part of the deal here with the dynamic between Carlson and Latang. I mean, we all know what Eric Carlson is, wonderful offensive force of nature, maybe the greatest offensive defenseman since, you know, Bobby Orr, but uh, defense isn't exactly his strong suit. So uh, whereas Latang probably plays a more well-rounded two-way game, um, Chris Letang might end up drawing a lot of assignments just from a defensive you know, side of things where um, you don't necessarily see like those old classic matchups where like Scott Stevens would shadow Eric Lindros over the ice or Derek Kas- Darius Kasparias would do the same thing against Lindros. But um, you might see Chris Letang pressed in his service more in um, terms of trying to be a shutdown player. And again, with the way, he, the way he's uh, built physically and the way he can skate, um, he's a wonderful skater, has some strength to his game. Um, he can play a, a pretty tough, stiff defensive game uh, when applied that way. Before we go, Seth, they've got Washington for game two Friday night in D.C., home on Saturday, Calgary in town for the third game. Uh, what do you think of these two teams as they embark on the opening few games of their seasons as well? And do we see Nadelkovich in one of the games? I would anticipate Nadelkovich getting one of the games. You know, I would probably maybe guess uh, the game against Calgary. It just strikes me as be, maybe being the lesser of the two opponents. And yeah, it's a home game as well. So 
Uh, it just makes sense in that respect. As far as the Washington Capitals go, um, that's a team that's a little – they're almost kind of in the Penguins' boat. You know, they missed the playoffs last year, underwent some changes. I mean, I would say their biggest change is they have a new head coach, you know, having you know, uh, fired a you know, – Peter Laviolette last season, uh, Spencer Carberry, a former Toronto Maple Leafs assistant that is now there. So um, we're going to see how, you know, he wants to do things. I mean, it's still roughly the same crew there uh, that we've seen over the years. Uh, not not too many major changes with them. Uh, you know, it's we all know the names, you know, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Wilson, uh, TJ Oshie, et cetera. Um, so I, I, I don't know we're necessarily going to see, you know, much in terms of, uh, you know, oh, that's a new face that's going to improve them. I, I just think it's going to be a new way of doing things under the new coach there. Um, as far as the Calgary Flames, they underwent uh, some more significant uh, changes, more in their front office and things like that. So um, might be a more offensively aggressive team than we we're used to seeing with them when it was under Daryl Sutter. I mean, that was a, maybe the best defensive team in the NHL the past few seasons there. And, um, you know, again, he was out, uh, they, you know, new GM, all that stuff. So, uh, they went and went some significant changes there. Uh, I, I, I don't know that we're going to see them running up down the ice and, you know, setting scoring records like the Edmonton Oilers do, but, um, that might be a little slightly more, uh, offensively oriented team, uh, than we're used to seeing in, in recent years. Jeez. They don't go back to back again until the 18th and 19th of November. And then they do it twice in two weeks. And they got the, the Thanksgiving weekend where they go the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving at Buffalo home for Toronto. Yeah, that's a pretty light schedule really throughout all of October. I mean, they only play however many games here. In fact, I think when we, they were still up in the air over Jake Gensel's injury, uh, that's why Kyle Dubas said it's only going to be maybe five games at most. Nine games in the whole that. month. Yeah, nine games yeah. in the whole month. Yeah. So, um, and then they kind of make up for that, you know, as they usually do almost every other year with, you know, all the, you know, the, a lot of the division games and games on back to back days, you know, going in the you know, February, March, April there. So, and then that's just how the NHL wants to design things. It's just what they want to go head to head with NFL or college football in terms of television and things like that. So, but, um, yeah, it's a light schedule here. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing when you're an older team. Uh, uh, I think just in general, when you're an older team, the fewer games, the better, I guess. But um, one way or another, they're going to be making up, uh, you know, that limited number of games with a lot more uh, back-to-backs and such uh, in the final weeks of the regular season. Seth, thanks. We'll do it again next week. Looking forward to it again this year. Sounds good, Tim. Thank you. Seth Rohrbuff from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review covers the Pens here on Breakfast with Ben's with us as well. Make sure you listen to him every week. Brian Metzer at the start of every week to talk Penguins hockey as well.